I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club. I'm Bill Oram, joined as always by Anthony Slater and Yovan Buha. We have so much to get to on this week's episode. The Lakers are uh, ostensibly still in a battle for the sixth seed, but more realistically going to be the seventh seed and in the play-in, which makes Anthony Slater, our co-host, an invaluable source of our panel today covering the Warriors. Um, the Lakers have had a lot of promising signs over the last week. Um, some quality wins against the Knicks and Phoenix Suns. Some uh, nice moments from players like Wesley Matthews and Taylor Horton Tucker and even Andre Drummond. Um, but still no LeBron James, who remains out with his sprained right ankle, despite some uh, some indications that he was going to play this week. We're still waiting to see him again. And that play-in, assuming the Lakers are in it, is right around the corner. Um, questions about... Uh, how ready LeBron can be. So we're going to get to all of that as part of this conversation. Um, but let's start with kind of the, the, the pressing, the pressing thing, which is, which is the play in and um, what that matchup could look like. Anthony Slater. I know the Warriors aren't locked into eight yet. Um, and, and by that token, the, the Lakers aren't locked into seven either, but yeah, set up, go ahead and set up what uh, a Lakers Warriors, sudden death, Steph, LeBron uh, sort of for all the marbles, that is the seven seed would look like. I mean, we, we can get into the matchup. I mean, at this point, well, it's funny. A couple of weeks ago, I feel like we were like joking about it. It's, ah, it's, it's not off the table. And then last week it was like, it's kind of becoming a possibility, like a real possibility here. Now it's like absolutely the likely situation. Um, and that is the Lakers have to basically the, what the Lakers would have to go two and oh, and either one of Portland or Dallas would have to go 0 and 2, which seems correct uh, likely correct. for them to avoid it. And almost they were almost locked into seven. By the way, the Lakers were a Kyle Kuzma layup away, or excuse me, yeah, Kyle Kuzma layup away from being locked into seven after last night against Houston. I mean, a night, you know, kind of a night to forget in a lot of ways, but a night to remember with the banner going up. But um, you know, Kyle Kuzma with the game winner to, I mean, honestly, kind of complicate things for the Lakers. Now they kind of have to sort of keep one foot. Uh, on the pedal with this idea of getting to the sixth seed, whether that's actually a good thing or not. Um, the Lakers sure didn't seem like a team that was too concerned about the sixth seed last night. I mean, they rested everybody they could, they that's could find a reason to That's my question for you. And first, I'll set up the Warriors side of this for Lakers fans that care. Uh, on The eighth seed, who the Lakers would obviously play if, if they are the seven, as expected, it is going to come down to Sunday. The Grizzlies and Warriors are playing in Chase Center on ESPN, I believe at 1230 Pacific, uh, which Lakers fans will probably be watching, I assume, to learn their play in opponent, basically. Uh, Warriors will be favored in that game. They're playing extremely well right now. They're at home. Um, but Memphis is dangerous. They have Jaron Jackson back now in the starting lineup. Uh, they've had a good season. So that will that will very likely be for the Lakers opponent Sunday afternoon on ESPN. The question I wanted to flip to you, do the Lakers want seven? I mean, they they, they, they basically attacked that game last night like they're just don't want 
to go up to six and possibly play the Clippers and they're comfortable just playing in the play-in bracket. I think that there's, I think it really depends, like like everything, it depends on LeBron. You know, I don't want LeBron James' first game back to be in the play-in against the Warriors. You know, in a, you know, like there was, there was reporting that he was going to play Tuesday. And then it was like, oh, he's going to wait one more day. And then Wednesday comes and it's like, oh, he's still not ready. And so you, you, you tend to think, okay, he's LeBron. He'll be fine. Just get him that little bit of extra rest and he'll be ready to go. So maybe he plays this weekend. Frank Vogel said there's a chance he plays this weekend, but that it's also possible he doesn't play until the play in. And I don't know what is Frank being coy and what is reality, but, but to me, I don't want any piece of the play-in if LeBron's not going to be 100% ready um, to go. And I'd rather have a week off if it meant LeBron is going to be healthier for a series against the Clippers than to have to throw him out in, you know, tune-up games that are actually, you know, potentially season-ending. So, you know, it's one of those things where I think maybe the, the, the Lakers would benefit just from knowing where they land as opposed to, but like you can't manipulate it. You can't manipulate it in your favor um, this season with the way, um, with how tight everything is. And, you know, three teams, you know, within a game uh, of, of, of the five seed and just how, how, how congested that is. But I think, you know, I think ideally you'd have a healthy LeBron. You would not be too scared of, you know, the Warriors, Grizzlies, Spurs uh, in whatever order in the play in and, you know, you can kind of use that as a tune-up and then have a series against either Utah or or the Suns. I think you feel good about that. But I also would worry about, you know, needing those extra games and not getting that week that that week off to prep for a series. Yeah. Jovan, what's your sense? Do, are they thinking about the Clippers at all? Like, it, it, how much of the conversation down there for you guys right now is like, uh, you know, if they do get to six, that's, you know, it's probably very likely LA, LA. And, and how much is it a preference to avoid that? I feel like that's more of a thing with the media. Than, than with the team, um, you know, I, I think their stance all season has been we like our chances against anybody in a seven-game series, whether it's the first round, the conference finals, whenever. Um, I do think if you gave them truth serum, they would probably rather wait until they're in a rhythm to play the Clippers uh, because I, I just think that would be my lone concern of, you know, them just playing them in the first round, not having that continuity and the Clippers just smacking them and winning that series in five or six games because this Lakers team just hasn't had enough time together. And I think if they play them in the conference semifinals, in the conference finals, they obviously had to have been playing better to get to that point. So I think that would be my only thing is that I think they just might not be ready for a Clippers matchup right now. Whereas I think the margin for error against the Phoenix or Utah is a little bit greater for them. Uh, And I think... Honestly, I think they're they're in a decent position, all things considered. I think LeBron's health is obviously the, the variable that is going to dictate the rest of the season. But, I, I mean, I, I was really encouraged by their matchup with Phoenix. Uh, I know it was one game. I, I know Anthony Davis probably had not only his best game of the season, but one of his best games as a Laker in that game. But to me, I, I walked away really encouraged by that performance and that matchup with Phoenix and just like KCP's ability to lock and trail with Devin Booker, uh, you know, along the baseline and and just their ability to kind of dictate that matchup physically. Like I look at that and I'm like, I almost wonder if they could beat Phoenix without LeBron or with a, a somewhat compromised LeBron. Um, now you go into a Clippers matchup after that. So I think I'm less confident in that if LeBron's not healthy, but, and then if they somehow lose to the Warriors, you're playing Utah, which isn't necessarily great, but 
I think they could get by Utah. And if they get by Utah, past Memphis. How about that? You know, how about that elimination game? If you lose to the Warriors, you'd have to. I mean, yeah, that's play that's with fair. your season on the line. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know what is even more uh, compelling than that is let's just say, I mean, there's so many there's so many possibilities here, but let's say that the Lakers go into the play-in and somehow it's the Grizzlies at eight and the Lakers are still getting LeBron back up to speed. He's not at 100% or maybe his ankle doesn't respond the right way after the game on Sunday and he doesn't play against the Grizzlies and you're thinking, well, at least we still have a, you know, we have a little bit of a cushion here. And you go into the Grizzlies game and lose, and then you have to play the, the Warriors for the in eight seed in a sudden, in a, in a sudden death game. Yeah. That would be the most uh, compelling um, version of things, and obviously the worst case scenario for the Lakers. Um, Yovan, I'm not as confident that the Lakers get past Utah. Um, I agree with you about the Suns, although I I would take this if if LeBron is not is not up to speed. I don't think I'm taking the Lakers to beat anybody in a series. Um, you know, despite, you know, some of the encouraging signs we've seen, I, you know, they need LeBron um, firing on all cylinders. Otherwise we're looking at, you know, you know, Anthony Davis and a bunch of guys who are capable of stepping up on a night to night basis, but don't have a lot of continuity. And I, it just, that's not a team to me that is going to win a series. If LeBron is not healthy. I just yeah. saw Utah and Phoenix in back to back games, back to back losses for both teams against the Warriors. Um, Utah, has injury issues themselves. Donovan Mitchell for has sure. not played in a few weeks and is not going to play the rest of the regular season now because they're avoiding the play-in and another benefit of avoiding the play-in is they're going to get like a week of rest and a couple practices in. Um, the expectation sounds like Donovan Mitchell will probably be back for the playoffs. Mike Conley also dealing with a hamstring injury, hasn't played lately. So, so they're potentially vulnerable though if they're at full speed i still think they're kind of like the deepest team in the west um phoenix i mean you know they've had this awesome season but i watched that lakers game where the lakers beat them without lebron i watched them go against the warriors they were motivated they went hard in both those games and they just lost them to the teams that are very likely going to be the seven eight seed and they're going to play one of them in the first round um it's not super encouraging for that to happen basically a week out to the playoffs. And it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't a Phoenix team that was like just floating into the building, not caring. Like they went after those games and didn't win either. Yeah. The yeah. West is just a, a, a quagmire right now because I mean, I don't know. I mean, a quick poll. I mean, who's, who do you pick to come out of the West right now based on what you, what you know, Slater Clippers, Yovan. Yes. Yeah, same. Yeah, me too. And, and, and I think, you know, so you're looking at a team that's currently third in the West, you know, we're kind of dismissing the top two teams and we're also, you know, not sure what to make of the defending champions. So, I mean, the West, I mean, is, is just really up for grabs despite having a pretty clear hierarchy throughout the regular season. You know what's weird about the one-two seeds in the West this year? I'm not sure I ever remember it being like this. Who do they have the best player in a series against? Not Denver, right? Jokic would be against either Phoenix or uh, Utah. Not Dallas. That would be Doncic. 
Not the Clippers. That would be Kawhi, at least the most playoff-tested mm-hmm. best player. Not the Lakers, obviously, if LeBron's healthy. Not the Warriors, even, who are like the eight seed because Steph Curry's playing out of his mind. Like the the, the Port- one two seed, not Portland. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, probably not. Not not, not 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 Portland with Carmelo Anthony. So yeah, there we go. There we go. No, Ennis Canner coming off the bench. No, um, that's where the the some of the the doubt with, with those teams comes in is just that they can still win. Obviously, in spite of that, I, I think I'd, I'd both pick. I mean. I picked Phoenix over, you know, Portland or, or Golden State in, in the first round, but or Denver probably without. Yeah, uh, but it, it's just when you don't have the best player in the series. I mean, and that's my thing with the Lakers that I keep coming back to is like, I mean, again, we we, just, we don't know LeBron's health, but in most of those ser- against most of those teams that you just mentioned, they, they arguably have the two best players in the series, and I think that that gives them such an advantage that even not having that continuity, like. It's, I, I don't know. I always default towards talent more so than than anything else, but we just don't know when that talent's going to be available or in what you know state or condition. I guess. Let's say LeBron is healthy. Let's say LeBron comes back and you know gets a couple games under his belt this weekend, looks good, doesn't feel pain in the ankle, and he's ready to go. I think Slater, you said a week ago you would still take the Lakers in that in that case. Yeah, I think you know I I would really he'd he'd need to look very much like himself, um, but if he did. Yeah, I'd take them. How much in that belief would be dictated by needing to see the path? Like, I mean, does, does it does it not matter to you then that if it does, if it is 6-3 and it's the Clippers, do you feel just as good about them then? Or like, I mean, there's there's a path. This, this is the unlikely scenario. The Lakers are still technically in play for the five seed. They would need Dallas and the Blazers to both lose out. I don't think that's going to happen. Doesn't Dallas, Dallas have like a one really easy team? Though? I think they have two. I'd have to I'd have to look back at what it is, but they have, they have Toronto two very and Minnesota, games. two very winnable games, and and so you know, I mean, that's probably not going to happen. But I mean, like you know, the Lakers could conceivably still get up to five and play the Nuggets. That is not going to happen. But you know, how much does the path dictate your belief in them, or is is health the only thing? In my mind, their path is very likely going to be face the Warriors next Tuesday probably beat the Warriors, although we can talk specifics on that matchup since it's coming up pretty quick, probably. Um, beat the Warriors, you're the seven. Probably playing Phoenix, because at this point, it seems like Phoenix, although you know Utah losing last night, I think still puts everything in play, but I think it's going to be Phoenix like... Is a ge- Phoenix is a game and a half back of Utah right now. Okay, so I think they're going to play Phoenix in the first round, and I think that's the type of team that, like, a... It returning LeBron and and you know I still somewhat hobbled but like playing well AD I think you I think you beat Phoenix I think I think the Lakers would beat Phoenix in that series um, and and if they're in the two seven they probably get the Clippers in round two and at this point if I assume they beat Phoenix I'm assuming that LeBron is really kind of juicing himself up into in, into playoff mode like they like that's the, that that would be the series of the west playoffs winner of that i would pick to win the west um i'm saying clippers at this point because i i don't know just the way the lebron injury has rolled out is concerning to me because he was supposed to play two nights ago. He's supposed to play last night. Like, what, like, what's your guys' perspective on like why it keeps getting pushed back and how concerning that should be? So that's what I wrote about today off of the off of the Lakers win against Houston last night because it was so jarring to me just optically to see the banner from last year go up and then to have not just LeBron but also Anthony Davis in street clothes um, and you know AD a little bit of man- injury management maybe or or. Avoiding an injury because he's got some groin tightness, cut tightness. But with LeBron, 
you know, I mean, you follow the reporting on this and like kind of the enthusiasm that was coming out of the Lakers. I mean, Anthony Davis was like, oh, he's fine. He's going to be fine. Trust me, based on what I've seen, he's going to be fine. And then Shams reported it was going to be Tuesday or Wednesday. ESPN had similar reporting that it was likely Tuesday. Then it got pushed back one more day. And then it was that he wasn't ready yet. That maybe there's a more logical and less doomsday explanation then there's something wrong but obviously something changed and something changing is enough of a red flag for me to pump the brakes a little bit on just assuming LeBron is going to come back and you know as it relates to him looking great in workouts that doesn't really mean a lot you know he looked pretty good in his first couple games back too the thing that did him in was his body didn't respond to that those efforts in a way that you know he felt like he could keep going and so one thing I wrote is you know it doesn't matter how good he looks doing it one day if his body won't allow him to do it again the next and that that is the question right now. And the Lakers have been very guarded about this. And I think you understand, like they don't want to set an expectation that they end up having to adjust and they don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. But there was obviously enough enthusiasm and enough confidence that LeBron was going to be able to play in one, if not both of those games this week, that it was given to the newsbreakers of our industry to put out there. And it just ended up not being true. And that to me is concerning. And now, you know, one thing I was thinking about also, you know, does LeBron look, did LeBron look at the prospects of playing Wednesday against the Rockets differently once AD was out with the groin? Did it make less sense for him to come back, you know, and, 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 and have his first game back be with THT and, you know, and, you know, THT playing 40 minutes um, against that Rockets team in a game the Lakers probably didn't care too much about winning anyway? You know, maybe, maybe there is some of that. But at this point, LeBron has played two out of the last 28 games. He has played, I don't know, quick math, 30, 55 minutes since March 20th. Um, I don't think you want to run him into the ground uh, over these next three games or these last two games now. But I think you want to get him some rhythm. I think you want to get him some minutes on the floor. And you also want to have the opportunity to see how his body responds. Like that would be the worst case scenario to me is if you put him out there um, on Sunday for the first time in New Orleans and he gets out there, he looks really good. You know, he's dunking on dudes. And then in the second half, the same thing happened like it did against um, uh, in, in against Toronto and Sacramento, where he starts to feel the ankle. And, you know, he described a sharp pain. And if that happens again, you know, in the second half of the Pelicans game, and then he has to turn around and play the and play the Warriors 48 hours later, you know, that is a very concerning scenario. And we don't know that that's what where this is headed. Um, but I think you have to at least entertain the possibility. Uh, but that said, I mean, LeBron James is also, you know, one of the greatest competitors ever. Like it may just not matter. You know, if he gets to that point and he feels the pain, he might just be playing through it no matter what, as opposed to these last 10 regular season games. Oh, I'm sure he'll play like he's going to try to play through, but high ankle sprains are tricky, man. They're just, Mm -hmm. and he's learning it right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You know, the Warriors are about as in rhythm as a team can be right now. They're hot. They're they're 12 and 5, I think, at their last 17. Um, Steph Curry 
is you know he's kind of not losing his shooting rhythm and they're playing this like tight eight-man rotation it's almost the opposite you you worry about them playing so much that and so hard for so long maybe they run themselves into the ground a little bit with like this smaller rotation the lakers i think physically overwhelm the warriors a bit just uh if lebron's out there basically playing point forward and if davis is out there being himself um so if if you know all context was stripped and they were in a one game playoff i would certainly favor the lakers but yeah like a rusty we don't know lebron and then like what's this davis groin injury that popped up is that was that them just trying to tank yesterday's game or like is he legitimately dealing with something you could tell there were a couple of moments in late in that game against uh the knicks where he was grimacing and looked like he had um was dealing with something. I think we initially thought it was a leg and then it, and then it, you know, became evident that it was his groin. Um, so, I mean, there was some, there was definitely a pain factor. Frank Vogel was pressed on it last night and said, you know, it's definitely minor. They don't expect this to be something that leads, that, that is going to cost him time, you know, beyond, you know, what we've already seen. But um, it's, I think it's certainly possibly misses subsequent games this regular season only because, like we've already established, the Lakers are not acting like a team that is trying to get out of the play-in. Um, they, you know, so losing to the Pacers or losing to the Pelicans is not going to um, be an upsetting, uh, <laughs> it's not going to upset them too much, I don't think. They can be locked into seven by the end of tonight, right? Because the Jazz play the Suns tonight and and Denver plays uh, one of those two teams tonight. And so there is a, a real possibility, or at least, excuse me, before the Lakers play again on Saturday. I'm not sure what days those games fall on. But um, so that might make the decision to like rest AD more a little easier. And listen, the groin is just not something to, to trifle with. Um, you know, that we've seen it with LeBron in the past. Um, tightness leads to, you know, other injuries. And so if you have the opportunity to get him a little more rest, we've seen AD get back up to speed and rhythm. We've seen him kind of work himself back up into shape. I don't think he needs these games necessarily as a final tune-up. So if he plays one of them or none of them, uh, that's probably fine. Whereas LeBron is just on a different trajectory right now. Well, the guy we haven't even mentioned is Dennis Schroeder, who we have no idea when he's coming back. And, And Frank Vogel has mentioned that I guess he's going to clear his health and safety protocols on on Saturday, but he has not sounded optimistic the last couple of times he's talked about Dennis that he's going to be ready to go. Um, and, and you know, you just think about he's going to miss two weeks. We we don't know officially if he had COVID or if it was a contact tracing situation. Uh, but either way, missing two weeks at this stage of the season, and potentially if he does have COVID, uh, I mean, we, we've seen the the lasting effects of that. I mean, Marcus Soul just spoke with us and said it took him about a month uh, to, to really kind of feel like himself post-COVID. So, uh, I mean, I think the Lakers can, as long as LeBron's healthy, I think the Lakers, you know, you still like their chances with or without Dennis. But to me, he's their third most important, you know, play, I mean, he's their top role player. He's their third most important player. Um, so I think he's another swing guy where like they don't necessarily need him. But if they have Dennis playing the way he was playing be- before the COVID uh, health and safety protocols, I mean, that guy was was at his peak this season and, and really had figured out, I felt like, the, the, the shot pass you know, the decision tree and, and really was making a lot of good decisions out there and, and cutting down his turnovers and hitting his threes. So that version of Dennis, I, I think, really elevates this Lakers team. And I think I'm, I'm even less optimistic about that uh, than even LeBron at this point. They need him, and maybe not to get through the play-in, but I don't think the Lakers are going to win a playoff series if 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 Schroeder isn't um, 
back getting or at least close to the level he was at before uh before he disappeared i i, I just think you know it's too easy to scheme uh against and not not easy to scheme against lebron but without a second a real secondary playmaker it is too easy to to harass him into 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 mistakes and that's why Schroeder is is so important. Why Rondo was so important for the Lakers last year. Um, you know, Alex Caruso and Taylor Horton Tucker have been you know critical to their success over this stretch. And you know, THT has had a couple of just fantastic games uh, over these last two wins. But I, I I just have such a hard time seeing the Lakers winning um, winning a series without a a fully functioning, highly competent. Um, point guard next to LeBron. He's a good defender too. I mean, that's kind of yeah, underrated yeah. and he's good on on Curry. You know, he's he's one of the better guys in the league that from a conditioning standpoint and just like kind of like a wiggly standpoint who can like chase him around screens, knows the off-ball stuff, has played him enough in his past that he kind of recognizes some of the patterns out there and I can think back to a couple of those games this season and one of my takeaways was like, yeah, Schroeder's playing Curry really well and at this point Next Tuesday, I believe, would be that game. Do we think Dennis Schroeder will be back and ready to actually get on a court by Tuesday? I think that is a massive if. You know, Yovan, you just said Schroeder will clear his health and safety protocols. And that's just, that assumes so much. You know, the Lakers have said that that would be the earliest he could come back. And I, I you know, I think we have to assume that he has um, been dealing with you know, at least positive tests, you know, whether or not he had symptoms or not, you know, who knows, but I mean, that's what that timeline indicates. And so, you know, and th- there are degrees of that, obviously. I mean, you know, there have been players who didn't feel anything, you know, Marcus Saul was not one of them. You know, you hear the Tatum, Evan Fournier uh, descriptions of what they're dealing with long-term um, you know, that knocks you out for more than 10 to 14 days, just on a health front, even if you are, even if you are over the, the virus, so to speak. And so I think that you have to, Look at this, like Schroeder being back for Tuesday would be a, a best case scenario. I mean, the idea that he'd be back by um, Saturday, Sunday, I mean, I don't know enough about his actual situation to say definitively that that's not realistic, but like logically to me, that doesn't seem realistic. And then the question is, well, then the, do three are three additional days enough to get him on the court? You know, it might be enough to get him on the court, but is it enough to get him, you know, right? Like, I, it, we just don't, I mean, again, like, you know, there's so much that we don't know and there's so much that's going to have to be sorted out. Like as we, as we get through, but like, you know, you know, Jovan, this is kind of along the lines of what you and I wrote last week after the Lakers lost to the Raptors. And, you know, it felt like all help, all hope was lost. These are these things that we like in real time, we look at is like, okay, well maybe there's a way they can navigate this positively. You know, even though it seems like a bad thing, maybe they can navigate this positively, but you know, you get, when, when it all comes down to it and you look back on it, it's like, of course, Dennis Schroeder having, you know, presumably having COVID or potentially having COVID in the last two weeks of the season was a calamity. Of course it was. But, you know, in the moment you're trying to sort of, well, you know, if this happens, this happens, this happens, it might be all right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I just think there's so many ifs with this Lakers team. If LeBron is healthy, if Schroeder's back, if, you know, uh, Steph doesn't just shoot 50, doesn't, doesn't make 15 threes. I, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's it's a it's treacherous waters. I think is 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 the reality for the Lakers. I mean, this team has you know shown that at full strength they can be the best in the league or one of the best in the league. But we just don't know how close to full strength they're going to be when it when it, when it all comes down to it. Spicy playing's going to get good ratings. I'll say that. I mean, congratulations by the way on your uh, on your viral interaction with Steph on that on that front. <laughs> he didn't even say a word to me, but he said plenty. Um, yeah, I mean, Warriors still hoping it's going to be Portland to be honest, but. 
That that dream almost died before the Kyle Kuzma floater last night. Anything else with this team? Well, I mean, what about the playoff rotation? Because the Lakers have had so many moving pieces over over the last two months, and it's such triage when you're trying to compensate for the absence of Anthony Davis and and LeBron James. And we've seen different guys take on massive roles and then and then and then take a step back. And Frank Vogel hasn't had you know a scenario where he is you know had has had his full lineup in the fourth quarter since early February and like things have changed for these guys. I mean, Wesley Matthews has been in and out of the rotation three times since then. Like right now, Wesley Matthews is one of the Lakers, you know, five most important, you know, role players and absolutely belongs in the rotation, making critical defensive plays, had a, you know, incredible putback at the end of regulation against the Knicks. Um, I don't think that putback got enough credit, by the way, because that was just a muscled rebound and, you know, and, and forcing it back up and in. Um, you know, he's been wildly more important than, uh, you know, Ben McLemore. But how do you know when you don't see these these pieces around LeBron and Anthony Davis? Jovan, I know you've given this a lot of thought. Where are you on what a what an eight, nine man rotation could slash should look like? It's really tough to project because, you know, to, to your point, we just haven't. I mean, we, we saw this group together for, I guess, what, the Sacramento game? And then after that. We, we haven't seen them whole. So yeah, I don't know how much you take away from that. Um, I, I think at this point, based on the way these guys' stocks are, are trending up and down, uh, my, my best guess at a playoff rotation would, would look like, I think the starters are going to be you know Drummond, AD, LeBron, KCP, Dennis. Uh, now, again, we don't know LeBron and Dennis's availability. So those are major wild cards that can really swing the rotation one way or another. But if we're projecting the theoretical healthy rotation, uh, you know, those are the starters. And then I think Kuz and uh, Alex are the, the the two bench locks that regardless of situation, you know, matchup, whatever, you're playing those two. Like those are your two primary bench guys. They were obviously key pieces on last year's team. And I think those are your top seven. Beyond that, I think it starts to get into more matchup based where, you know, what what does the second unit look like? Is it a a bigger big man? Is it a smaller big? Like, can you play Trez? Can you not play Trez? Uh, But but I think based on what we've seen recently, uh, Marcus Gasol to to me would be the eighth guy in the backup center. And then I think Wes Matthews would be the ninth guy. And for for Wes, it's going to come down to a shooting. He's shooting 33% on threes this season. If that continues into the playoffs, I do think it gets a little hard to play him because I think guys will just leave him open. Um, he doesn't have that same gravity as like a Ben McElmore, but Ben isn't going to give you anything else. He's only going to give you shooting. He's a poor defender. He's not going to play make, not going to handle the ball. So I look at those as the top nine. I think Talon could get some minutes if the offense is struggling. I think uh, Keith could get some minutes also if, if they need some more shooting. I think Trez, they can play him. In, in certain matchups. But for me, I'm looking at the starters plus Kuz, AC, uh, Mark, and, and Wes as, as the top nine heading into the postseason. So interesting because, and I, I think that you make a, a really compelling case, but Montrez Harrell was the Lakers' top offseason acquisition, or at least their top free agent acquisition. Um, for him to not be a key figure in the playoff rotation is just going to take some 
cognitive adjustment on my part, but we've seen it. We've seen his minutes um, decline. We've seen when Mark is in the lineup, you know, Montrez either not playing or playing five minutes here and there. And I think that that is a little bit of a harbinger of, of what that's going to look like and who the Lakers trust and who does more on the floor. Um, but it's kind of the same with Talon. I mean, one of the really nice storylines of this season has been the evolution and growth of Taylor Horton Tucker into a player who, you know, can, when you need him to go out and get you 10 assists. I mean, he had 10 assists and three turnovers last night and he's not a point guard. Um, you know, I thought that was impressive and he's done that, you know, a couple times over this stretch, but the idea that you're going to go into the playoffs and that, you know, three of the players who've really helped you keep your head above water uh, throughout the regular season in Montrez Harrell, Taylor Horton Tucker, and I suppose to a lesser degree, Markeith Morris, um, are not going to be first choice bench players is is kind of crazy, but you can't play everybody. And that's and that's Frank Vogel's challenge. And, you, you know, you, you hear coaches say this, but before the game last night, he did say, um, you know, you love it's you love when a, a player you know plays well enough to create good problems for a coach. And that's what Wesley Matthews has done. I mean, he has, you know, really created a scenario where he is a must play player because he plays both sides of the ball besides the ball. He's shot his shooting. Hasn't necessarily been um, percentage wise, you know, where you necessarily would want it to be, but he's hit timely threes. Uh, and, and he's just, I mean, you know, game winning plays on, on, on consecutive nights. And that's true of Taylor Horton Tucker too, by the way. But, um, but Wesley Matthews is a veteran who's been here so many times. I think there's just a much higher trust factor there. I like it. I feel like, uh, Bill's driving the West Matthews bandwagon. That's what I feel like. Earlier in the season, he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I have I have no core values. If you guys haven't figured that out, like I'm I'm a prisoner of the moment. Like there is like anything you that you that you tell me I believed two months ago with this team has probably completely changed. I just want to say that I, I was on the right side of history with Marcus Ole. That that's my uh, that's my favorite take of the season. But I, I think I think one interesting thing that we haven't really gone into either with with, with Trez is like. I think there was this percept. I mean, like the, the Lakers on paper, we, we've talked about this multiple times this season, had the best personnel to hide his deficiencies, which are, um, you know, like offensively, he doesn't space the floor. So you, you have AD or, or Keefe who can space the floor around him. Then defensively, he, he's not great. Um, you know, not not a great rim protector or post defender, but you, you have AD to to make up for that. Um, and, and I think the, the Trez AD minutes have been okay this season, uh, but but what I think has been interesting is like Frank has basically played him exclusively at the four, the, the last three games. And, and we've only seen him play and you know, we've seen him play with Mark. And I mean, last game he played at the five, but that, that was uh, not a real rotation. And, and they were playing basically a G league team with, with uh, you know, six, eight and under guys. But um, like in the actual games, we, we've now seen Trez shift to the four where he's either playing next to Mark or he's playing next to AD, but AD is functioning as the five defensively, where AD is the one defending the center. He's the one defending pick and rolls, where earlier in the season, Trez was the one doing that, and AD was out on the perimeter. And I think that's an interesting concession from Vogel this deep into the season, because I think that's what Lakers Twitter has been clamoring for all year, is play Trez at the four. He's 6'8". He's not a rim protector. Like He shouldn't be defending these seven-footers that, that give him problems on both ends. Play him at the four, next to Mark, next to AD, next to whoever. And I think it's interesting that Frank tried that out with a few games left in the season and kind of almost like a last resort you know, option. Uh, but I think it's it's worked. And I think it is probably the most effective way to, to use Trez. And I think if, you, if we see him in the playoffs 
it's not going to be at the five. It's probably going to be at the four. Um, and I, I think there's a limited role there, but I think it'll probably be something like next to AD or next to Mark who will be playing the five. To defend Vogel on that, I think in the playoffs, I don't think it works that well with Gasol. I think you need like a more of a versatile rim protector who shoots the three consistently out there that's like a threat enough for defenses to, to get out on them. And that's Davis, obviously, right? I mean, Yovan, from the time they signed him, um, we were saying like that you were saying like it i think you had like a scout or somebody tell you before he's on the lakers like anthony davis is the absolute perfect big to pair with montrez harrell and vogel hasn't had that option most of the season right because davis has been out and that's where i would kind of defend him trying it now because it's really his only chance uh to try it and him and gasol i get the idea of it i don't mind like dip it they're trying to dip the, the toes in the water a little bit on that pairing i don't really like that though to be honest, like it, it, as a, as a front court in a in a playoff series, I, it's a little too stiff, and 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 you don't I, neither really protects the rim, right? I mean, Gasol has his defensive strengths, but I just as a front court pairing, I don't really like it. That's fair. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm skeptical that we're going to see it too much in, in the playoffs. I think I think I think Trez being out of the rotation is probably the more likely scenario. Um, just because of everything that Jovan's just laid out with, with, with kind of the, the limitations of the rotation. Like I think Trez has almost been like a regular season mercenary for the Lakers. And he's had his moments where, you know, he was their MVP, you know, where when they had no LeBron, they had no AD. He was the guy who um, you could turn to, to get you 22 points. And um, there will be situations where the Lakers will need that energy. They'll need that spark. And he's a guy you can go to, but as a guy to put your faith in, in a playoff series, when, you know, the teams are as sophisticated at scheming against him as, as they are. I just, I just don't know how much you're going to be able to see it. If you get DPOY Davis, right. If you get like the Anthony Davis of last season's playoffs, he can really mask Harold. And then like, I could, you know, I could see particular matchups or games where, where, where Davis is just awesome and flying around. where like, you could get a lot out of Harold by just kind of like handcuffing him to Davis and going to war with those two together. So, um, and, and, you know, as we've talked about, Vogel's always been very flexible with his Mm -hmm. rotations too. That's why I think that in part, like some of this hand wringing will sort itself out because, and, and also why, you know, it's been so important for players like Wes Matthews and Mark Gasol not to get caught up too much in their current situations, right? Like, you know, when Wes has you know, had had strings of DNPs throughout the season or Mark, you know, obviously got got himself benched um, at at, um, you know, after the addition of Andre Drummond. You know, there is a big picture mindset that you have to keep when you're on a team like this, a team that's as deep as this and a team with the aspirations the Lakers have. There will be a time where the Lakers need Montrez Harrell in the playoffs. If they go deep enough, there will be a time where he is an incredibly important player. It might be one game. It might be one series, but he will be important. And that's true of Taylor Horton Tucker. And it's true of Wesley Matthews. And it's true of Marcus Saul. Um, just the nature of, of the playoffs. I mean, last year in the, in the playoffs, it was true of every Laker with the exception of Dion waiters and J.R. Smith. And, and it's just, it's just the nature of this kind of season. And, and so you kind of need to keep that perspective. If you're a player in that position, who is seeing your you know your opportunity diminish? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the elephant in the room here as, as well is that Andre Drummond is guaranteed the starting spot theoretically and a certain amount of minutes. And let I, me I think, ask you about that, Jovan. 
The penguin in the room. (laughs) The penguin in the room. You know, like they obviously guaranteed him, as you reported, guaranteed him that to sign him. And and I think a lot of that was like they knew Davis and LeBron weren't going to play a chunk of his rest of the regular season and he would kind of get touches and everything. At this point, that prom is kind of off the table in the playoffs, right? I mean, you don't have to start him. And if he says, well, you know, you promised me now I'm not coming back. They'd be like, okay, you're not coming back. Like, you know, at this point. They can't even really resign him at like, Financially, I, I don't think unless he takes like minimum or well, yeah. mid level, which you know I'm not even sure that's like the proper use of it from a Laker perspective. So I think yeah, at, at this point, pl- come playoff time, particularly in a locker room with LeBron and Davis, who will be sitting there if Drummond's like whining about it, be like, dude, like it's winning time. Um, I don't think he's guaranteed to starting spot beyond the regular season. And we've already seen it where his minutes have been reduced a little bit. Like last night, he got benched for Montrezl Harrell. Um, you know the, the Lakers. At first, I was kind of like, well, maybe they're just trying to save the starters' legs or whatever. But you look at the lineup out there. It's Kuz is out there, KCP, Wes, Talon, and and Trez. And you're like, okay, no, they're playing what they feel like is their best five players in this game. And, and, you know, and Andre's been playing better. He's he's had a couple double-doubles back-to-back. And if you looked at his recent game logs before then, he hadn't been playing as well statistically. But it still feels like a lot of empty calories to me and a, a lot of just you know, accumulation of, of just, he, he's out there, he, you know, he's going to get offensive rebounds. He's going to get dump offs. Like he's getting opportunities to, to score because the Lakers need somebody to score. But I do look at like, t- to me at this point, the state of the Lakers center position is Anthony Davis and Marcus soul are their two best centers. In my opinion, those are the two primary guys that should be getting uh, playoff minutes. And then it comes down to does Andre Drummond or Montrez Harrell fit in this matchup? And I don't think that's the way it's going to operate. I think Andre is most likely going to get the opportunity to start, play at least 15 minutes a night, and then they're going to kind of figure out the rest of the minutes beyond that. But to me, it's it should be probably Mark starting. Uh, AD obviously getting a lot of time at the five because of how good he is there. And then maybe you find some Andre or Trez bench minutes depending on the matchup. It's going to be wild, guys. You know, outside of just the seeding questions that we've broken down and, you know, the health of LeBron and Dennis Schroeder, then getting into all the actual hard coaching decisions that await Frank Vogel and the sacrifices that are going to be required of certain players. But, you know, it's, if you're Frank Vogel, you don't even know what you're going to have, what, what sacrifices you need to make or, excuse me, what decisions you're going to have to make because you don't know who you're going to have. So it's strange times, but let's get out of here. We'll come back next week. We'll have a better sense of what's going on. We'll know what's going on with the play-in and we'll break it all down then. Thanks, uh, everyone, for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you next week.